Guys, it's Pete Mundo, owner of HeartlandCollegeSports.com and the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And I got to hand it to our guy, Greg Snows, who hosts the Bevo broadcast covering the Texas Longhorns. He had this wild idea. He said, Pete, can we do a crossover podcast uh, with Eric G., who hosts our Bedlam podcast covering Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? And I said, you know what, Greg? Great idea. So these two guys uh, put together a great in-depth conversation ahead of the Red River rivalry. You're listening to listening to it exclusively on the Bevo Broadcast podcast or the Bedlam podcast. So be sure to subscribe to these shows. Uh, you've got two great hosts covering Texas and then the two Oklahoma schools. And that way you never miss a show moving forward. So let's get to it. Greg Snows, who covers Texas for us on the Bevo Broadcast Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And Eric G., who does our Bedlam podcast, also find that show wherever you get your podcasts. Settle in, enjoy, and we'll talk to you guys soon. What is going to happen on Saturday? Well, here's the, <laughs> here's the interesting thing about that question. Um, <laughs> I've developed since 2013, uh, when Mac Brown was squarely on the hot seat, and I think OU might have... I know OU was a favorite. I think they were a double-digit favorite that year. And Texas pretty much pummeled them and then outplayed them for the last couple of years. What I've learned in this game is whatever logic dictates, go 180 (laughs) degrees the other way. So (laughs) logic tells me that I'm Steve Sarkeesian. I've watched the last two OU films. I know these guys don't want to be physical. I know they can't tackle. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass either. But I'm just going to line up and whip them on the line of scrimmage and hand the ball off to B. John Robinson as many times as I want because right now they don't want that smoke. So what's what's going to happen is (laughs) OU is going to revert back to the way they played the the three weeks prior, and they're going to just – magically learn how to get off blocks and learn how to swarm to the ball. And Bijan's going to run for 50 yards and somehow Davis Bevel's going to have the game of his life. And we're all going to be looking at each other like, how the hell did OU win this game? That, that, that is what I've determined is going to happen because Texas had no business winning in 2013. OU has no business winning now. And that's just, it's amazing how, how that series has changed to that from Bob Stoops sort of making Mac Brown quake in his boots for the exception of the year that he had um, Vince Young and then the Colt McCoy Sam Bradford game to yeah just let's roll two teams out there and no matter how bad one is they tend to find a way to be not only be more fired up for this game but they tend to find a way to be the more physical uh, of the two teams it's just completely strange series at this point it really is I mean uh I could think of any number of games like you referenced 2013 I remember that one very well I I was not excited not looking forward to that at all from a Texas perspective they go out when how I don't know even 2015 I believe Texas went and played in Fort Worth the week before just got their doors blown off by TCU and then somehow go out and beat Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma and it's just like, okay, how did that happen? So you can pick any number of games, even the late 80s, early 90s, when uh, I believe it was Peter Gardier, quarterback for Texas, who won four in a row. Texas was the underdog every one of those games, was definitely the the worst team in that matchup, and somehow, some way, came out on top four years in a row. So like you said, anything that's supposed to make sense, think the opposite, because that's what seems to happen in this series, and pretty consistently. Yeah, it's – I don't know – I mean, look, the the cliche is to say there's not another series like it in college football. But truthfully, you know, I throughout my career, you know, haven't paid enough attention to the Iron Bowl to know if it is as strange as OU Texas or Army Navy or USC Notre Dame. OU Texas, what I will say about all those rivalries is they're, they're entities under themselves and no one is generally like the other. And for OU Texas, I, I think... What happened starting in God, whenever whenever AM decided to go to the Southeastern Conference, 
it felt like that game became just that much more important to the Texas side of things. It's always been important to OU. OU's always considered Texas their biggest rival, even during the days of Nebraska, when I would argue that OU Nebraska was a better rivalry because more was on the line. You were generally fighting for conference championships. Oh, for sure. OU Texas was Southwest Conference versus Old Big Eight. You know, at that time, I always thought Texas always meant more to OU. I always felt A&M meant more to Texas. But when A&M disappeared, it just seemed like the OU game became more important to Texas. I also think because whether it's true or not, the perception was out there that Bob Stoops scared Mac Brown or OU had Texas's number. And I think you've got a lot of Texas kids who got sick and tired of hearing that. And Texas, you know, it got put into that category. Oh, it's a soft program. It's a country club program. Well, for at least one Saturday a year, if that was true, starting, and I go back to 2013, that, that, that to me was a sem- seminal moment in this series history. Starting that year, it felt like Texas was determined to be the tougher of the two teams. And I don't know that OU has always responded that well to it. And I remember Samaj P. Ryan telling me, I think you referenced 2015. I remember Samaj P. Ryan telling me in a group of reporters that Texas had bought in or OU had bought into the hype. Texas was a dumpster fire. You know, the kids didn't want to play anymore. Charlie Strong was on his way out. And OU believed all that. So they didn't go out there with any sort of edge. And now I wonder this Saturday – do they go out there with an edge or do they go out there scared because the last two weeks have been so embarrassing? Yeah. I mean, it's been shocking. I mean, I know K-State has kind of had OU's number the last handful of years for whatever reason. So I was fully expected. I even put some money on it last week. So I couldn't enjoy the OU loss as much as I normally would as a Texas fan. So uh, it was even worse when you put money on it and you expect them to come through for you and they didn't, but, I was just in utter shock watching TCU just go, I mean, guys wide open. I think it was like four plays of 62 yards or more. And the quarterback, Duggan, only had five carries, but two of them went for touchdowns and 116 yards with like, what, 67 coming on one run? I was like, what is going on here? What happened? Like, how, what? I mean, I fully thought going into this year, OU was going to have some trouble. And I do, I've done a podcast on my own for a while now, and I did two separate ones about Lincoln Riley leaving because I just couldn't get it all out in one. And I just thought that when he left, it was going to be a huge void, and it's not going to just, OU's just going to plug somebody in and keep going. And I've said, I've referred to it as OU's, the fan base has been spoiled. Uh, they've been very lucky. Call it what you will. But you had Stoops, who was very, I mean, ran the Big 12, obviously. I mean, how many conference championships does Stoops have? So many. Uh, All but a handful, probably, his tenure while he was there. So OU ran the show in the Big 12, and then when Lincoln Riley took over, it didn't really skip a beat. And then when everything happened with Lincoln Riley, I was like, there's no way this thing just doesn't skip a beat. It's it's just not the way things go. You could look at, I mean, pick any number of programs. Nebraska, years ago. Uh, Tennessee, Florida State, uh, USC. Any number of programs that had a long amount of success Usually the next guy comes in and does not do as well. And then obviously, you know, Lincoln Riley, it's like, oh, we'll get another transfer quarterback when a Heisman home. No big deal. And then when he left, I was just like, this is not going to be good for OU. You can't lose uh, your play caller, your head coach, and just not skip a beat and then replace him with a guy who's a defensive coach who's never been a head coach before and expect nothing bad to happen. I was just like, am I crazy? (laughs) <laughs> well, it wasn't just that. I mean, you had the the, the, the jettisoning of – God, that's a terrible, terrible way to say it. You had all those kids jettison the program. And what right. we're seeing here is – and look, first of all, I was doing backflips when Lincoln Riley left because Lincoln Riley ran a soft program. And oh, what wow, was really? – yeah, I, I thought Lincoln Riley leaving was actually the best thing for Oklahoma if they were going to compete in the SEC and if they're going to win – if they're going to compete at a championship level, because okay. what Lincoln Riley did is he created the illusion that you could, you could compete at a championship level when truthfully, what you could do was win the big eight. 
You could beat other teams that ran the spread. You could outscore them. When you ran into K-State, they were always going to out-physical you. And then when you got into the college football playoffs and ran into Alabama, who was loaded on both sides of the ball, as opposed to you just being loaded on one, you really didn't have a chance to win that game. You got embarrassed by LSU. And that's not Oklahoma football. That's not what Oklahoma does. It's ridiculous to have for a program that is the only program who has four coaches that have won at least 100 games. Your standard to say, well, LSU was just heads and shoulders above everyone. No, Oklahoma should never say that. You should never be that far behind the best team in college football. You know, even Bob's, you know, and I will still say the most, you know, the two most embarrassing losses in OU history um, or, or over the last few years was the 05 Orange Bowl, the USC, because they should have embarrassed OU that way. And then the LSU game, um, the LSU game in the uh, Peach Bowl, LSU should have been able to beat OU that way. But you've, you've seen defense it didn't just get put on the back burner. Defense wasn't a priority for such a long amount of time. And the lack of talent on defense was, I mean, it, it is mind-blowing to think that OU can't be balanced or, or can't play complementary football. You just have not had talent on defense. It's all been on the offensive end. And you could mask that when you could outscore people. Well, all those offensive players leave. Your defensive players stay, but they're not any good. So now that, that's what the combo is here. And the thing that, that makes the last two weeks so shocking to OU fans is the one thing you never thought about a Brent Venables coach team is that they would be, they would lack toughness. That was the culture. That's what he's trying to change. He's trying to make OU a tough culture. Well, you're not a tough culture. If you're giving up a third and 16, Adrian Martinez is going to run 30 yards. You're not a tough culture. If, um, you know, the TCU quarterback can, you know, bust off a 60-yard run on you. And I, I, as a fan or someone that can cover this, and I think even Brent Venables, well, maybe not Brent Venables, you know, I can live with busted assignments. All right. Yeah, you work on it all day in practice. All right. Sometimes things look different on the field. What I cannot absolutely and no fan should live with is a lack of toughness and getting off blocks getting to the ball tackling not closing your eyes and ducking your head that's just want to and for two straight weeks OU has had no want to and here you are about to play your biggest rival and you're, you're reeling at this point and I think Britton Venables and his staff are just looking for answers as to why for three weeks were you able to play fundamentally sound defense or at least basic defense that if it wasn't fundamentally sound, you could cover your mistakes to now you're just getting your tails kicked. Right. And I don't know that there's an answer for that. The answer for that is change in personnel, but that doesn't happen this year. That happens through recruiting and then patching things up via the transfer portal. So any game from, from here on out, I think it's a t at best is a toss-up for Oklahoma, at best. But I don't know that fans are feeling really confident about this week in Texas. I mean, sure, they want to beat them, but I don't know how you can watch those last two weeks and think, yeah, you're going to beat them. Yeah, I was just about to ask, what has been the, the pulse of the fan base? Now, like you said, you've been, you're, you're talking to the fans every day, and I can't remember a game as I've been, you know, from the Texas side of things, I can't think of a game since – maybe 2005 when OU was starting Red Bomar when he was a redshirt freshman and they lost a couple games in, uh, early that season. And Adrian Peterson came to that game. He had like high ankle sprain. So he had like maybe four or five carries. It wasn't a factor. And obviously that was the year of Vince Young and Texas winning the championship later that year. So they're absolutely loaded, but I can't think of another matchup in recent memory or even, I mean, 2005 wasn't recent where OU's coming into this game, limping into it where Texas is the favorite, where Texas is everybody's saying it's going to be a Longhorn win. And, you know, like you said, it kind of – I, the Longhorn fan in me wants to see an utter beatdown of Oklahoma. I've been on the wrong side of this too many times. I don't you get started on last four, year. <laughs> you want 63 to 14 in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and then even last year, 
I, I mean, from the first play of the game was Xavier Worthy, and then everything that happened in the first half, and then it was just like like living your worst nightmare in the second half. So I want to say Texas wins. I want to see Texas win. But like you said, with everything that happens, I'm almost getting to the point where, like, can they be too confident? Can they be too too full of themselves thinking going into this game? Because who's even playing quarterback for OU this week? If they said anything about the status of the quarterback? If I had a bet, I bet it would be Davis Bevel. Um, okay. You haven't had you know, um, Dylan Gabriel. I don't think he's practiced all week. And even if he has, and I was asked this, somebody asked me that this, oh, I was asking a radio show, has the my has the Miami Dolphins situation, oh, you know, yeah. is that affecting Dylan Gabriel? And, and it's like, yeah, well, it's not only affecting him, it's affecting everybody in football now at every level because concussions are back under the microscope. So if you're OU, just from a PR standpoint, even if he gives you the best chance to win, it's almost better to sit him out because you don't want to get caught. You don't want to get caught up in that web. You don't want to go under and, you know, an investigation, but you know, the thing about Dylan Gabriel What's sad is right now he's the best quarterback on practice, and this is a guy who's just average. I mean, and I I saw him in spring and tried to, you know, was like, hey, it's good arm strength. It's not great. He's can run, but he's not, you know, you're not going to mistake him, you know, for Kyler Murray. He's serviceable, you know, and to think that he's going to come out and win a Heisman, but you had fans that were just convinced dude, he's an OU quarterback. OU quarterbacks all end up with statues. Not not so much. So even if Dylan Gabriel played, I don't know that you're all that confident because he's not making the intermediate throws, but Davis Bevel's been horrible. He was horrible against TCU. But I think he's the guy that probably starts. That being said, I can see him having a short leash. Maybe you see Matt Evers. Maybe you see Major Booty in this game. But right now, I mean, just talking about it, it just feels like, wow, it's confusion. And if you can go out there and score more points than Texas, then this could be – it wouldn't be one of the best victories of, of OU's history, but it would certainly be one of the more improbable or one of the most improbable victories. You know, <laughs> right. <it's> tricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Texas right now, I was uh, – trying to figure out like I believe Quinn Ewers is trending towards playing this week and I haven't read or seen anything today indicating one thing or the other but I was of the mindset of if he's not a hundred percent don't play him just Mm -hmm. stick with Hudson card for another week let him let him heal for another week and I get he wants to play it's you know it's a big game he's from the Dallas area I get that but if he's not a hundred percent I looking at it realistically long term I still think Texas has a shot at the conference championship. I don't believe in Kansas, Kansas State. I just don't. It's it's a wonderful story for Kansas. God bless them that they have uh, college game day there. It'll probably never happen again. But, I mean, TCU is not the best team in the conference, but they're a better team. So I, I think this Kansas thing starts coming back down to earth. And, you know, Oklahoma State is up there at the top, and Texas will have to deal with them at the end of October. But – you know, looking down the road, it's like, I don't want to risk a potential run at a conference championship because it's kind of wide open. I mean, with Oklahoma seemingly in just disarray right now, you almost can kind of cast them aside. And if Texas can kind of get some momentum here, maybe they can get a shot at it, but who knows? They win this week, play next week at Iowa State or wherever, and, you know, crap the bed and lose that game. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, we, we sound like two guys covering teams that are that are you know boldly going into the SEC. <laughs> you know, I know, right? Here's what I'll say. First of all, I look, I, I bought a lot of stock in Kansas State way at the beginning of the year. And part of that is, is I'm a huge Chris Kleiman fan. I just I love the guy. Second, they're generally the toughest team in the conference physically. They know if they don't have the talent, that's 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 their mentality. And I love those kind of teams. So I'll buy stock in them all day. I like Kansas State. Kansas, I want to believe in just because just because it makes me feel good. Um, <laughs> but I look at Texas, and I don't see, you know, if you look at the challenges, Baylor will present a challenge. 
Um, you've already gotten past West Virginia. I think K-State will present a challenge. You mentioned Iowa State. I mean, there's nobody that can't beat anybody in this conference. And even if I, th- if I say today that OSU with Oklahoma State is the class of the conference, would it shock me if they lost the game or two? Not really, because yeah. you're looking at talent that's about, that's about even across the board, which, is, which should also damn both OU and Texas because their talent should be heads and shoulders above everybody. Their 85 ought to be better than everybody else's 85 on scholarship. And to think that Oklahoma talent-wise isn't as good as Oklahoma State because they're not, or Texas isn't as good as Baylor because it might not be. That's something that is, is unacceptable. And those that write checks and have their names on building should names on building should just be screaming holy hell right now because <laughs> if you can't win this conference or compete in this conference, you're gonna get killed in the Southeastern Conference. And yeah, this is like and for me, it's all about big picture. It's not even about this week, it's what are you doing to compete three years from now? Because the last thing you want is to go into that conference and get embarrassed because you might never recover from that. That's a real, that's a realistic possibility. And as much as I love Brent Benables, Joe Castiglione has got to keep a closer eye on, on the football program now, because if it gets much worse, he's going to have to pull the trigger. You can't afford to let it sink to the bottom or there's no coming back from it at this point. Yeah, the, well, that's that surprises me to hear that just because it's only, what, a month into his tenure. And obviously, I know you're talking about, you know, long-term thing with the SEC going there. But, yeah, it's just with Venables was – how did that even come about? Like, why was – I mean, I don't I don't know if, like, if it was a comfort thing just because there was a film – I can't say the word. They, uh, they obviously knew Venables. He had been there before. But I remember that, uh, yes, there you go. (laughs) Got tongue tied there. But I have friends that went to OU. Obviously, I'm in the Dallas area. We have, you know, so many people that go up there to go to school and come back. And so I know plenty of people went to OU. And I was just like, I just wasn't sure with Venables. And I remember when I believe at the beginning of the Stoops tenure, he had Mike Stoops running the defense. And those were those just incredibly talented. I mean, super athletic. I mean, the Teddy Layman's, the Tommy Harris, the Rocky Countless, the Derek Straits, all those guys still have nightmares about them uh, <laughs> from what they did to my Longhorns back in the early 2000s. But Mike Stoops left to go to Arizona, and then Venables took over. And then towards the end of, end, end of it, I want to say, I don't know if anybody necessarily blame, but the defense kind of took a dip, and Venables kind of got run out on town on a rail. And it's like, if I remember, I was like, they – weren't too happy when like they were glad he left and now he's back and everyone's like oh everything's gonna be fine like i think okay. there's a few things that, that that probably that played into that one he had the endorsement of bob stoops no, and sure. bob carries a tremendous amount of weight around that program in fact next to joe castiglione there's not a more powerful voice for the ou football program than bob stoops even sure. now even when Lincoln Riley was there, Bob Stoops, you're still the guy you looked at. And it's like, we're in trouble. What do we do? Well, whatever Bob told you to do is how you went and fixed it. So you have that endorsement. I think the other thing that helped Brent, I think one, there's always that tendency and it's not a good tendency for athletic directors and general managers. If I hired a guy that was an offensive guy at first, now I'm going to go the opposite. So you sure. had had the the guru, which by the way, I hate that word. Um, <laughs> you know, the guru, you know, offensive play calling genius in Lincoln Riley. What a crock! Um, and then you're 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 bringing you're bringing in Britt Venable. Sorry, I'm not. And I would say that about any play caller. That's not just the Lincoln Riley thing. I'm sure. a big believer in think players, not plays. And it's not about the guy who's got the 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 grease pencil or the guy on the dry erase board. It's about the it, it's about your eleven that you put on the field. Um, but those two things kind of played into it, and I think there was a lot of not so much revisionist history, but regret. Where it's like, okay, we let this guy go. We thought it was terrible, and all he does is go out to Clemson and win a national championship, right? 
And the players that he's getting are bigger, stronger, faster than the players that we're getting. So, well, we're about to go into the Southeastern Conference. That's the type of players and that they have. It's the style of football they play. Well, we better get this guy because he obviously knows how to win at that. That's what's important right now. And I, for one, I thought Brent Venables would actually be a better head coach than Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's a good coach. Um, where I th- always thought Lincoln Riley failed was I never thought he was that great of a program runner. And what I mean by that is you spend so much time with the offense. And the offense is great, but you're not spending enough time with the defense. And as a head coach, and this is just my belief, take it for what it's worth, I'm a CEO guy. I don't want my head coaches being the, being the coordinators. I hate that. I always have. Run the program. Let them run the offense. Let them run the defense. You coach your coaches, but I don't want you being the quarterback coach. I don't want you being the play caller. It doesn't mean you don't make decisions. You're making out the practice schedule, but they're making out the scripts. That's what I was kind of hoping Brent Venables would be. And I was hoping that Brent Venables would, would not only be tougher, but would also bring in someone that ran a different style of offense so your defense could see it see it every day and learn how to be tough. But instead, you bring in another spread guy in Jeff Levy. Again, Levy's good. He's good at what he does. I'm just not sure it's all the best fit for Oklahoma because you're right back where you were. And you, as Brent Venables, you're trying to poach players who are normally going to go to Alabama and Georgia. You're trying to poach those caliber of players. But you still have a reputation as more of an offensive school and a bit of a soft program. That's going to take a while for him to change. And if Brent Venables doesn't work out, I don't know what the answer is. And OU is an interesting program because all of its success has come from hiring assistant coaches. And you're either elevating them up through the program or, you you know, you went out and you found Bob Stoops, who happened to be a defensive coordinator at Florida. So I don't know what the next move is. I mean, the typical names will be thrown out if Brent Venables doesn't work out, but you know, and to even have that conversation now seems a little silly, but because you're moving into the SEC, I mean, if you were staying in the Big 12, there I wouldn't have this much panic. But because you're about to go into America's toughest conference, yeah, I'm I'm panicked right now. And I want it fixed sooner rather than later. And I hope Brent Venables is the guy to do it just because I like him. Um, but if he doesn't, I think you've got to have some confidence in Joe Castiglione that he'll make the right decision next time. Sure, of course. Yeah, he's he's had he's had a very good tenure as everything at OU in the last, you know, pretty much since Stoops, Bob Stoops got hired back in '99. So uh, much to my disappointment and uh, being the victim of it on the other side for so many years. Well, but, like uh, things didn't turn out well for you with Mac Brown. Let's not cry too much about it. Oh, true, but true. Yeah, I mean, call, Texas was pretty damn good under Mac. Hell yeah, it, it definitely. It just was, uh, you know, that, that five-year stretch, and yeah, the just it got to the point where it was – you went from looking forward to that game to, like you said, Texas just would go into that game thinking, like – it was inevitable something bad was going to happen and then they would just crumble and they just could not overcome it. They didn't have the, the, the strength. They didn't, whatever it was, the mental toughness. It was just, it was very, very sad to watch that year in and year out. I could even think of the 2004 game where Texas got shut out 12 to nothing and Vince Young couldn't throw a ball seemingly 10 yards down the field. It was just like, and in that year, it's just like as good as OU was, it's like Texas was good enough. They could have won that game. They just weren't capable enough on offense. I mean, they held OU to 12 points in that game with Adrian Peterson and all that firepower. And it was just – obviously, it worked out in 05. But I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, with OU, as I've had discussions with, you know, friends of mine throughout the years, it just seemed like, you know, it never worked out in Texas's favor. If all things were equal, like you beat, Tech, you beat Oklahoma in 2006 and then Colt Mahoy gets hurt at the end of the year. And he, mm-hmm. they lose to K-State on the road and you lose to AM. And then you go from like maybe driver's seat to the BCS to playing in the freaking Alamo Bowl again. And then the next year was not so great uh, for Texas. 
And then 2008, you beat Oklahoma again. And then that whole debacle of what happened because, you know, Texas loses to Tech, but Tech loses to OU, and then who should be there and tiebreakers and all that. I will go to my grave still angry about that. That one still hurts, still makes me mad. And it, it just like, it just, I, I had many arguments with one friend of mine where I was like, Matt Brown didn't have that let's run it up the score kind of thing. Like the whole, he wasn't raised in the Steve Spurrier world of, well, you could win 45 to 12 or you could win 65 to 12. So let's just keep running no huddle and score, 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 score. Yeah, we beat Ohio State by 57. Oh, well, where Texas only beat him by 45 or 30. And it just, it just made me sick having to watch that all those years. And it was just frustrating. And then, they, then Mac Brown goes out and then it's just been, I mean, ever since Colt McCoy got hurt in that championship game, what has it been? I mean, Texas is barely above 500. Charlie Strong was a disaster. Tom Herman didn't work out. Sarkeesian, they lost every game on the road last year on the Big 12. They blew every second half lead they could. It's like, I want to be optimistic. I want things to work out. Like you said, the SEC thing is looming around the corner. Can Sark get this thing turned around? He's getting the recruits. You got uh, Arch Manning coming down the pipe. And can they can – they, get to a point where they can compete with that because I mean, obviously you, I mean, you've seen the big 12, what was A&M all their time in the big 12? They're always behind Oklahoma and Texas. And they went in and caught lightning in a bottle that first year with Johnny Manziel. So they haven't really done much since. And um, that's going to be a fun game on Saturday, by the way, talk about running up to score. <laughs> Nick Saban. Oh boy. Yeah. It, it, that one's going to get ugly. Uh, but it'll be fun to watch hopefully. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Moving towards this game on Saturday, I want to say the Texas wins, like I said, convincing. It seems like everything's going wrong for OU. Everything's pointing towards a Texas win, but neither team seems to know who their starting quarterback is. Like you said with Oklahoma, it's it's leaning towards the backup because Gabriel took that horrible cheap shot uh, against TCU. And with yours, is he going to play? We'll find out. So I guess it's like there's the mystery there. But, you know, Texas, you got Xavier Worthy, you got Bijan Robinson, you got Jatavian Sanders. You know, Jordan Winnington, it seems like they've got all the skill guys. Whoever's running the show at quarterback, I'm like you said, they've seen the tape, 96 points in two weeks, all the busted coverages, all the can't get off blocks. Is there a way you can – going into this, what do you see? How can – how does Texas win this game? Do they just do whatever they've seen on tape and just kind yeah, of make it the process? Don't get – don't overthink it? Don't know. This is, this is what uh, – this is a kiss game. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, simple. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll Steve Sarkeesian. I, I, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I honestly, while watching the film, I would have stopped it. There would have been a point where I stopped the film and said, guys, we're just going to hand off to, we're handing off to Bijan. Running backs, you are going to be exhausted after this game. Lineman, <laughs> you need to be licking your chops. This is a game as an offensive lineman you have been waiting to play. Because you get the opportunity to fire off the ball. You know, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Texas puts their hand on the ground or not. I know no one really goes under center anymore. So whether you're in a two-point or a three-point three stance, guys, this is your opportunity to take someone's manhood from the first play all the way to the end and go back to 2000 when they – kicked our ass 63 to 14. This is our opportunity to do that to them because they don't want it. They don't want any. They don't want anything of what you got this weekend. This better be our best week of practice. We're going to push you guys. We're going to be as physical as we possibly can. And coming out Saturday, we're going to be the more dominant physical team. And we don't have to do anything special. We're going to run any trick plays. Receivers, <laughs> Hey, if we got to throw to you, we know you're going to make plays. But if you're not getting the ball thrown to you as much, it's because our running game is working. Just know that that's what we're going to do. We're trying to get out of here quick. We're going to make this quick and painful for them. <laughs> as painless as we can for us. That's it. There's nothing to it. Because OU right now just does not look like a tough football program. And if you were to ask me how OU wins it, Somehow find your manhood, find your heart, you know, be that team you were in the first three weeks of the year, be that team you were at Nebraska. And I think what, what fans found out the hard way is, Oh, you beat up on three, not very good teams. And that, 
that's a that's a hard hard pill to swallow because every team you're playing now is so much better than the teams you you played in your non-con that any confidence you had in a win is just is right out the window. I mean, yeah, you ought to be scared about Kansas. You ought to be scared about Iowa State, West Virginia. You ought to be scared at this time until they prove to you that they can't that they can actually be the team that you know, we think they're capable of being. Which I don't even know if they can be that because I don't know what they're capable of being anymore after these last two weeks. And I hate being extremely negative, but it's hard. I mean, I, I, I've always been a realist. I've never worn – I haven't worn crimson-colored glasses since I've got into this business, which <laughs> drives my aunt absolutely nuts. Um <laughs> And drives a couple of my friends nuts, too, because, you know, they believe everyone that wears an OU uniform is the next um, NFL Hall of Famer. But, <laughs> you know, if you watch football long enough, you know what you're looking at. And, and right now what I'm looking at is a team that lost every bit of confidence that they have. And I think that's Brent Venable's toughest challenge is figuring out how to get that back. I mean, you got to figure out a way to build your team up and make them tougher in a week. It's tough, but if he can do it, he might deserve coach of the year's honors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you said, if it might not be the greatest win in school history, but if they were, if Oklahoma somehow pulls this off, it would definitely be one of the most memorable just because like you said, the one thing that, that you've said a couple of times, it just, it, from watching OU all these years, I mean, as much as I don't like them, I watch them an awful lot. Uh every week because it seems like either they're playing early, Texas is playing late or vice versa. So I'm always watching OU just to see what they're up to and how they look. And the fact that like, especially on defense, that they're not physical, that they're not taking it to people. Because I just, like I said, all those early 2000 teams with the, you know, the Teddy Lane and straights, the Tommy Harris and, you know, Brandon Everidge, Rocky Callis. And I mean, all those guys, I just, those, those defenses were nasty. Those guys would, I mean, they flew around, they hit you in the mouth, and they didn't take any, you know what, they gave it out. And that's why they would walk into that cotton bowl with their chest out, like, oh, okay, here comes Texas, we're going to hit them in the mouth, we're going to fold. And that's what happened. And now that it's the TCU of all things that I never thought I would see in a million years, even Kansas State, just the fact that they have just looked so, I don't want to say the word soft, but – no, it's fair. That's a fair. I mean, that's that's a fair just, criticism. Never in a million years, I I would think I'd see an OU defense look like that. Sure, everybody has a stinker every once in a while, but two weeks in a row. I mean, I was just watching that game last week against TCU, going like, how is? I mean, what is happening? I mean, of course, I like to watch OU lose. Of course, like I said, I get a, a joy and a pleasure out of it being a Longhorn fan. But like at some point, I'm like, what are they doing? I mean, it's just wide open receivers. Nobody come. Like this is just bad. I mean. I've never seen him look like that. And pretty much, well, I, mean, like me talking I about can't remember. Texas. Maybe the John Blake era? That's taking it way back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is. And you sound like me talking about Texas over the last few years because I, I think what, <laughs> every, what every great rivalry needs is there needs to be balance. There, there needs to be a little bit of feeling like that team is your equal. And I'll be honest, when, when, when Texas is bad and OU is good – and, and granted, I mean, I think we've seen nothing's guaranteed in this game. Okay, so you beat Texas, but it's not like you beat a – there are times where it's been like you haven't beat a good Texas team. And there's something a lot more satisfying when you've put a thumping on a team that you know is three, four weeks down the road probably going to do this to, to other people. And, like, I've – you know, watching them under Matt, watching them under Charlie Strong and, and, and Herman, it's like, this is not, I mean, this is not vintage Texas. I mean, this isn't, this isn't watching them under the Daryl Royal era or even the Fred Akers era. It kind of feels like you're stuck. It's, it's like John Makovic returned to campus. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. I mean, and that was always the thing with OU Nebraska until OU went in the toilet in, uh, you know, in the nineties is that there was respect there. And with Texas, oh, sure. Hate, dislike, whatever. But you always knew it was going to be a tough game. And I, that's what I want to see both these programs get back to. I want to see it where 
when this game is played, national championships or playoff spots, I guess playoff seeding now, is certainly going to be affected by this. Um, I, I, hate, I hate the game this week. It's two unranked teams. And that just – First time since 1998. Probably, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that irritates me more than anything. It's like, no, 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 not these two. You know, Texas has more money than God. Go buy some players. Oh, you for crying out loud, get your pride back. Um, it just ah, I'm mad. At, I'm, I'm mad at both. Like, I'm really mad. I'm really mad about where OU is right now. And I don't blame Brent Venables as much as I just blame Lincoln Riley for letting it deteriorate, loading up on one side of the ball and then fooling everyone into going, oh, they're really good. It's like, you watching them? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you, you can't contain you can't contain or you can't maintain 63 to 56 wins that just doesn't eventually you're going to get your ass kicked and uh you know that's what happened that's what happened at LSU and that's what happened with Alabama right yeah it's yeah it's definitely not sustainable trying to you know live like that of course so yeah I mean with Saturday it's like you said it, the fact that it's they're both unranked it doesn't have that that's there's nothing on the line, so to speak, almost like nationally. Because usually, I mean, I, I always think of that 2008 game, number one versus number five. Even though Texas was five, nobody gave them a shot. Nobody gave them, like, they're just going to go in there and get steamrolled. And that turned out to be one of the greater games in the series probably in the last 25, 30 years. And, I mean, just so much talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, Bradford wins a Heisman. Copa Coy was nominated for the Heisman. I mean, just so much uh, back and forth. And, uh, you know, obviously at the end of the year, we won't get back into that again. Uh, but yeah, it'll, uh, it should be fun this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. If, uh, I'm scared to death in the sense, like even when Texas was up against West Virginia, who I thought was not that good and Texas should win handily. They are, you know, they gave up that drive right at the end of the first half down to now it's 28, seven. I'm like, great. Now we got to go to the second half. And thankfully that ball bounces off the DB's hands from West Virginia falls into Xavier Worthy's lap for a touchdown. They go up 35, seven. And that pretty much, you know, whatever little chance, West Virginia had was gone. So, and obviously last year with OU, we remember what happened. So it's like, if Texas comes out guns blazing and they're up, you know, 28, 35, nothing, I'm still going to be nervous at halftime. I'm scared to death in the second half. <laughs> you know, and I, I've got, you know, I've got no hope for OU, but if Davis Bevel throws for five touchdowns and OU wins, like I told my, I told my, my co-host, it's like, I'm not going to be surprised. You know, I think <laughs> last year taught us anything, you know, it's just like, it's OU Texas. The only thing to expect is the unexpected. Where you're, where you're going to go? Did that just happen? And then you just have to realize, oh yeah, it's OU Texas. Well, of course that, whatever that is, happened. Exactly, like you said, <laughs> of all the big rivalries in, in college football, it seems like this one is. It's streaky. It's one team could be so bad, one could be so good, but then the bad team wins, and there's no reason why. Hey, I mean, 96, OU was 0-4 and won the stupid game. And, and, and I, I think I, I couldn't remember if OU fans were happy or mad about that because it's like, okay, yeah, they beat Texas, but does this mean we're going to have to have John Blake a little bit longer? I think those questions started popping up. It's like, yeah, yeah. we beat Texas. Oh, but was this really good for the big picture? Well, as it turned out, it didn't matter. But yeah, well, like it was. I think I think I said uh, 2015, where Texas played TCU, lost like 55 to three or something. I mean, couldn't even score a touchdown. Just get absolutely gutted by TCU, and then go play roll into the Cotton Bowl, and somehow, you know, with Baker Mayfield and all that OU talent, somehow win that one. And it's like there's been more times where I go into this in recent memory where like they have no shot. Uh, I almost don't even want to watch the game. And then, I mean, what year? Matter of fact, it might have been 2015. I went to a movie, recorded the game on my DVR. Just in the event, if it's bad, I could skip through it, delete it, and be done with it. So I shut my phone off, went and saw an early movie on a Saturday, and came home and was like, is this happening? I think that was Case McCoy, maybe? Yeah. Rod Hurd? So Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he's out there throwing dimes. And hitting people right over the shoulder. And I'm like, where's this been? And then, of course, you know, they'd have probably won a game the rest of the year and lose to Kansas. And uh, I think that was the end of Charlie Strong uh, that year. But still, yeah, like you said, expect the unexpected. So it should be fun. Uh, where are you going to be watching the game? Anywhere in particular? Anything uh, I'll be watching from the, 
I'll be watching from the comforts of my my home. Um, <laughs> there you go. I got a high school football game to call, you know, on Friday night, and oh, okay. You know, we 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 avoided what I think is the big topic here is these freaking eleven o'clock starts, man. I am so I'm I've been over them, but OU in Texas <laughs> right? needs to be played at two thirty, and it's not a popular opinion, but I'm ready to move it from the Cotton Bowl just because I've been there, I've done that, I'm old. And Jerry World's an air-conditioned stadium. <laughs> that was the next question I was just about to ask. Is like, because I was just listening to local sports talk radio on the way home to come do this, and some the guys all here were like, "I I don't want it to go to Jerry World. It, it'll ruin it. Uh, it's just, but it's inevitable. It's it's going to end up there. Whatever this within the next I few years, that's where it's going to be." <laughs> I felt that way in my twenties, you know, the, the, the older I get, you know, and I can, you know, and I can always stay home. So, I mean, look, look, I don't, you know, I don't have like anything, you know, hard, you know, it's a hard stance on this, but you know, as you get older and you don't like standing in line and traffic, <laughs> traffic is run so well in that area of DFW because you've got the Rangers on one side, the Cowboys on the other. I mean, they know they've got it down to a science. You don't have to wait in long lines to get through the security checks. You don't have to buy coupons. I'm like, so I've, I've become <laughs> yeah, exactly. so all about the convenience in my old age. It's like, yes, of course it should be here. This is a lot. This is just easier. It's, it's much easier. I don't have to park in someone's lawn and walk across the street. Yeah, exactly or, right, yeah. I have carnies bugging me. No, this is perfect for me. Would it probably kill the atmosphere? Yeah, but again, that's just a get. That's just a get off my lawn old perspective on the game. That's all. That's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think if I had a dollar for every time I went to the fair and had a park in somebody's yard, hoping that the car's still there when you get back. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. It's inevitable. It's, it's going to end up in, in Arlington before we know it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fun uh, when it's, it might, like you said, it might kill some of the atmosphere, but it'll still be, I mean, if they keep it split down the middle and do all the things like they've been doing, but obviously you lose the ambiance of the cotton bowl, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've sunk so much money into the cotton bowl by adding all those extra seats and everything else. And it's like, once it leaves, I mean, I don't know what they're going to use that stadium for because they don't use it for, I think, there's like one game the weekend before Texas OU between like Prairie View, AM, and Grambling. I think they play a bowl game there. Yeah. It's a bowl game, but that's about it. And there was a game, I remember one year when New Mexico played somebody there, and it was like, okay. I'm like, why? It's just like, <laughs> is it just so you could give the Cotton Bowl a little bit of use? I mean, the guy, I think they still play high school games there. Um, but it's, it's an, I, you know, I think the location, and I also think at some point you can't rule out this game going campus to campus. And I, I so. will tell you, um, as somebody that's, you know, spent time down in Austin um, this past summer for his anniversary, I, man, I love that place. Like I, I would much rather go <laughs> hang out in Austin for a weekend than Dallas, but it's just more my vibe. I mean, there's just so many more cool things to do right along Sixth Street Strip. You know, it, it's such a music is so big in Austin that it's like, you know, Dallas is cool. And I grew up in that area, but it's like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to restaurants and I'm going to hang out. In Austin, I might go to three or four bars and see all these different bands. And that sure. to me is a, a much cooler experience than than going to the Metroplex. But again, I older perspective, whatever, it's probably, <laughs> I know that that is not shared by, you know, as many OU fans as I, as I wish it were, because Austin, Austin, tremendous town, tremendous. And I think Texas fans would like Norman if they had the opportunity to, to come up and hang out there. But I'm proud of my, you know, I'm proud of my hometown. I'm proud of where I went to high school and college and I want to show it off. So um, even if they were burnt orange, I'm at least going to be hospitable for a Friday night, Saturday, <laughs> all bets are off, but you know, whatever. Exactly. 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 All right, Eric. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you've already had a whole day on radio and I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. So it seems like we're on the same page, expect the unexpected. 
But if, you know, gun to your head, Texas is going to win. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <Kind of thing. laughs> yeah, what's, what's your prediction for OU Texas every year? Dude, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Write a bunch of yeah, things down, throw them in a hat, pull one out. And see, there you go. Sure. That sounds as good I as think tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to write down the most unlikely scenarios to happen in the game. And I'm going to go, here's my prediction. And I'm just going to go write down all those. These are the things that will happen during this game. Oh, he's going to get way behind. Spencer Rattler's going to get pulled and Caleb Williams is going to lead him back. Ah, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So you just said that last year, everybody would have just said you're nuts. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two years in a row, he got benched. Two years in a row, he got benched in that game. A a punter will score a touchdown. Uh, (laughs) A punter. There you go. Right. Yeah. That makes about as much sense. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, that just, that just, yeah, Spencer Rattler getting benched two years in a row. And then last year, obviously, he never came back in. But Caleb Williams came in and just took the job and, you know, never uh, never looked back. But I think he came back in in the game in uh, 2020. He got benched, and then he came back in. And then that was the one that went to, like, multiple overtimes or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a disaster, uh, you know, at least on this end of the, the end of it. So, yeah, for oh, sure. Here, here's my official prediction. I don't know which side it's going to happen on, but a blocked extra point returned for a two-point conversion will decide the outcome of the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I mean, I was like, yeah, that that's strange enough that that should happen in this game. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, might as well. Yeah, I don't know if go find a if you can put some money on that somewhere. You know, call somebody in Vegas and go. Yeah, put a hundred on five hundred on this right now. <laughs> no, the prop bets for you, Texas, better than the prop bets for the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. exactly. All right, Eric, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking out the time to uh, do this. I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, maybe we can do another one down the road. But uh, thank you for you know uh, all your your all your opinions and everything. It was good to hear from the OU side of it. But like I said, we're if we're throwing, you know, if we're leaning towards a Texas win, but we don't know what's going to happen, and then the one thing we know. Put your money on a block punt or a block extra point going for two that wins the game. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. Take it to the bank. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Eric. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right. See you later. You've been listening to Greg Schnoes and Eric G on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Pete Mundo. Those guys are both doing great shows for us. Greg is hosting the Bevo broadcast um, and then covering the Texas Longhorns, obviously. And uh, Eric does our Bedlam podcast covering OU and Oklahoma State. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, Subscribe to these shows. Subscribe to the Heartland College Sports Podcast as well with me, yours truly, covering the Big 12 top to bottom. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.